Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brad. Whenever I hear a musician who has the ability to cry out to God with their instrument like that, it, it, it first makes me jealous. And the Lord says, that's not a very good, that's not a very good attitude to have. But it, it's what I can imagine heaven will be like. When we can all lift our voice, whether we feel like we've got singing voices here on earth or not, and declare the greatness of our God who's among us, I'm going to wail next to Brad on a saxophone and it's going to sound pretty good. I want to take just a minute, uh, we've got some steak. I don't know if you like steak or not, but I love steak. So if you don't like steak, you've got to fill it with something else that you love. We've got some great nourishment from God's Word tonight in John chapter 1, verse 35 through 37. Uh, you can turn there if you want, but we're not going to go there yet. I want us to get in on what I feel like Brad just did with the saxophone, declaring the greatness of who our God is. And so I want you to turn to the person to your left and your right. If you're sitting by yourself, then, then just turn around and find someone close to you. And, and here's the question I'm going to ask. I, I want you to, to think about this. Who is Jesus to you today? Well, I, don't, I don't know. Well, if that's hard... Think this week, who has Jesus been to you this week? Or if you need the question rephrased for you, what is one thing you know about who Jesus is, one thing you know to be true about Jesus? And we're going to talk about why that's important in just a second, but, but find someone around you and then you ask him this question. Who is Jesus to you today or who has Jesus been to you this week? What is one thing you know to be true about Jesus? We're going to take about 60 seconds to do this together. So find a person next to you on your marks. Get set, go. Ask him this question, who is Jesus to you? All right, if you haven't switched yet, go ahead and switch. Who, who is brave enough? You just, just shout out. I'm not going to bring a microphone. Just shout out what either you or the person next to you said. Who is Jesus to you today or this week? Oh, okay, we're excited. My strength. Healer. Is everything. Shepherd. Jesus is our refuge. You didn't say anything. I was just pointing at you. I'm just, just having fun with you, Pete. <laughs> Did you say something? Encourager. Good. Our counselor. Master physician. My salvation. I knew you had it in you, Pete. There it is. My salvation. You know, the reason this is becoming increasingly important in, in my mind is when we acknowledge who Jesus is. Not just what he does, who he is. You know, I don't know if you found a time when Jesus may not be cooperating with your timetable. He may not be cooperating with your plan of what you wanted to see happen. And, and, and we're, 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 we're confused. Sometimes 
Our hearts hurt because we say, Lord, I, I don't understand what's happening. And if I only can praise Jesus for what he does, what do you and I do when we come to a place where we're not too excited about what it is he's doing? Or we try to be, but we, we say, Lord, help me see this. But when I can praise him for who he is, something happens. The more I see that he is the king of kings, and I am not, and the Lord of lords, and I am not, it teaches me something about who he is. Okay, our exercise isn't done yet. We're going to talk to Jesus about it in just a second. Turn to that same person, okay, and then now ask him this question. That's who Jesus has been to you, but what is one thing that you've seen Jesus do in the last seven days? It's something that you say, okay, I think this was Jesus at work or the Holy Spirit at work, and I want to give praise to him for what Jesus has been doing. All right, now, uh, some of the guys that I work with when we, we do this on a daily basis or a weekly basis, you don't have to make anything up, all right? So if you've got nothing, here's a really good answer. I got nothing, all right? We don't have to prime the pump. We don't have to try to pretend to make something up. Guess what? Jesus is moving and working. And if our, if our radio dial is not tuned in to the place to see it, that's okay. We're just going to get tuned in to see it. We don't have to just pretend like we saw something and make it up. We don't need to do that. But, but let's, let's see if we can hear some praise reports uh, now. Okay, if you're afflicted with the, the same condition I have, you're going to want to like tell a paragraph in, in like a 19-minute story from the paragraph. No, no, no. It, it's just in, in a sentence or two, what have you seen Jesus do this week? Or if you're like me, we'll let you have three sentences, maybe four. All right? On your marks, find that person, get set, go. 60 seconds. What have you seen Jesus do this week? Something that you could praise him for that he's been doing. If you haven't switched yet, go ahead and switch. Find out what the other person has been seeing. Amen. Who would be brave enough to share in a sentence or two a summary of what you just heard of what you saw Jesus do this week? All right, Paul. You got the same condition as me. I know I hate one or two sentences, but try it. No matter how adverse things are, he always comes through. Amen. He's your sustainer. No matter what adversity there is, he he comes through. I could have had a bad week. This is the week to celebrate Ruth's passing a year ago. I had other things that were not good, but God just this week this weekend was just great. God just blessed us with Corey's worship this afternoon with the family. Now I come here to worship. Amen, amen. Thank you, Paul. I can see Jesus in that, being the sustainer of our hearts when we're in a time of grief. Somebody else, what have you seen Jesus do? Yeah, just stand and holler at us. Okay, now, I'm not going to have you share a name or the specifics, but let me, this is my test, not yours, okay? So we'll see how good of a listener I am. If I do bad, you just say you failed and try again, okay? So I think I heard you say that you saw Jesus be a, uh, uh, give me the word again. See, I didn't do very good. 
pursuing and being abundantly gracious with a specific person, and I'm assuming in a very specific situation. Okay, amen. 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 Okay, now, don't let me put words in your mouth, okay? But I, I want to make sure I can see specifically what Jesus is doing. You've been feeling dry, and you've been feeling that, that you don't have much there. It's my summary. But, but Jesus has been filling you up or filling your cup, one of the two. Filling you up with the Scripture. And I think I heard you say, and the last part, that he's been using the leader of your home. To help in that. Well, good job. Now, I, I want us to see something here. Often when Jesus is working, he calls us or someone around us into obedience to join in that. And so Ken, as he joined in and leading in his home, Jesus did some work there. Now, we're going we're gonna to turn to the text and I want us to listen to Jesus speak to us from his word. But before we do, uh, just real quick, what is one of the ways that Jesus can speak to us? He can, he can do whatever he wants to, but what's one common way that he can speak to us? Okay, in a still small voice, in our conscience, okay? In a still small voice, absolutely. What's another way? Yes. Scripture. I thought you were going to say iPhone for a minute, but you're saying Scripture. Yeah, yeah. He can use an iPhone, absolutely. Through his word. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through a still small voice. Yes. Yes. He can use a circumstance. To speak to us through other believers other people can he can speak to us now we want to test it and make sure that it's jesus speaking to us and it's not the bad pizza we had last night or it's not my own carnal selfishness inside but it's jesus and so we're going to hone in on how to do that but as we go to one of the primary ways not the only way but a primary way he speaks to us through his word i, I want to take what we have just shared and, and thank jesus for who he is, thank him for what he's been doing, and I believe it's going to open our hearts to his word. But if we don't praise him for who he is, why would our heart be open to hearing from him? If I think that Jesus and I are on the same level, or Jesus is so far distant or so far above that, that has no connection to me whatsoever, then I'm not going to receive his word in a way that's meaningful. But when I understand who he is, it changes who I am. When I can see that he's moving and working, you and I are no longer serving a statue. We're not just serving some kind of image of Christ. He is the living Christ. Functionally, many, many people who call themselves Christians live as if Jesus is just a statue. He's alive, but he's not doing anything in their circle of influence. He's not doing anything there. And they miss that he is at work in their life. Jesus, I thank you right now that you are the comforter. You are the healer. You are enough. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus, all things have started in you. You are the beginning and you are the end. You have a plan through all paces of this life. I thank you for who you are, Jesus. You are holy. You are a holy other. There's none like you. Lord, I, I thank you for what you have been doing in our midst. You have been 
drawing people to yourself and giving grace to those in particular circumstances. You've been sustaining a brother in grief and giving him strength. You've been a healer. Jesus, we have seen you at work, and I thank you for that. Now, Lord, we want to hear from you tonight in fresh manna. Lord, I'm not just so much after learning some new trivia fact about you as much as I am about having conversation and relationship with you tonight with my brothers and sisters. So Lord, would you breathe on your word? You've told us that it's living and active. And would you speak to us? Would your ruach, your breath of the Holy Spirit, speak to us fresh and new tonight? In your name, Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. As you take your Bible, you're going to want to have a Bible with you uh, or an iPhone and turn to uh, John 1. 35 through 37. Uh, some of it's going to be on the screen possibly. I can't remember if I, if I put it in the notes or not. But I want you to have it and something that you're going to take with you. Okay? So your, your print Bible or your electronic device because we're going, to, we're going to chew on this all the way through. And as you're turning to uh, John 1, 35, just a reminder, a couple weeks ago we, we dove into John chapter 1 and, and we got to know the living Word in Jesus. We saw that Jesus was the creator of all things good. He is The light and life. Jesus knew what it was like to be overlooked and misunderstood. He knew what it was like to be rejected. And yet, John came to share and testify about Christ. He spoke publicly and passionately about Christ. And we're called to testify as a rhythm of our speech, not just one time. And we are to exalt Christ and downplay ourselves. And our testimony should be anchored in the character of who He is. That's where we were a couple weeks ago. But tonight, I want to skip to a passage that's connecting to this one in John chapter 1, verse 35 through 37. Read along silently with me as I read aloud. John chapter 1, 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Two pretty brief scriptures, verses. In these two verses, it's packed full of all kinds of things for us tonight to to feed on. And I want to just slowly begin to chew on that. Uh, I can't remember if I shared with you. There's too many crews I've been sharing this, this story with. So if I've told you already, just do what my family does and just hold up how many times I've told you the story and then I'll, I'll make it shorter. But uh, one of my favorite places, <laughs> Paul says 10. You don't even know what story I'm going to tell, Paul. One of my favorite places to get a steak is at Morton's Steakhouse in Chicago. Now, it, it's a pretty expensive steakhouse and uh, I, every time I eat there, I feel a little bit guilty because I think I could have fed an entire village for the, the cost of one steak. But when you eat a steak at a nice steakhouse, it just melts in your mouth. And uh, you can ask for A1 sauce, and they won't give it to you. They're not going about to do that to this beautiful steak that they have cooked for you. This is meant to be taken in in the form in which it is, and you just savor it. Almost like you would just suck on a Jolly Rancher. You just chew on that piece of meat, and it's, it's awesome stuff. We're going to do that with God's Word tonight. And so I want us to begin to, to chew on this first verse. 35. The next day, John was there again. 
This wasn't his first go around. He'd been with this group of people before. Who was he with? He was there again with two of his disciples. That's the first point I want us to catch as we dig into this passage of Scripture. John was with his disciples. They were the people who was following him. John was the forerunner. He was the one who was preparing the way for the Messiah. But John also drew a crowd. As he was a teacher, as he would proclaim truth, there was people who would gather around him and they would be followers of John the Baptist. When we hear the word disciple today, we think of either the 12 disciples of Jesus, which is right and, and good, or we think of a devoted follower of Jesus today who's a disciple, which is right and good, and that's, that's the, the most healthy context for, to think of, for us to think of this word. But in Jesus' day, when they would hear the word disciple, it, it had a broader context, a broader meaning. Uh, all rabbis, all prominent teachers would have a following of people who would not only believe what they say, but they would passionately follow them and do what they commanded. And they would sacrificially do what they could to get around them and to listen to them, to sit at their feet and to be taught by this great teacher or great rabbi. And John the Baptist had disciples as well. John was with his disciples, with those who believed what he was saying, with those who were passionately devoted to him. Let's read on in verse 36. When he, John, saw Jesus passing by. John was with his disciples, and then when he, the scripture is talking about John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus passing by. It's interesting to note that, that John was looking for Jesus, and he saw Jesus. I don't think it was an accident. He was looking for Jesus. Well, where do we get that? Well, it's not just in this verse. We can see it in this verse. It clearly says he saw Jesus passing by. But we see in the verses that came before it that this was a pattern for John. He was constantly looking for the one who would come. And, and he had acknowledged earlier a few verses up. It says, look, behold, the Lamb of God. And he had declared who Jesus was again. But here he's still looking for Jesus. And he sees Jesus. John had his eyes open. He was not distracted. He was looking for Christ. Christ is here tonight. Are you looking for Jesus' movement around you this day? What if John wasn't looking for Jesus? What if he was so preoccupied with his teaching about Jesus that he missed that Jesus was there? What if he was so excited to tell people about Jesus that he saw earlier because a few verses up in the chapter he had already declared, look, Jesus the Lamb of God. What if he was so passionately talking to his disciples he missed that Jesus was passing by again and missed another sighting of Jesus? We know from the scripture that there were many religious leaders who were not too excited about John and what John was saying. He was creating all kinds of trouble in the ranks, and he was drawing people away from their control, and, and they would show up to when he would teach and when he would preach, and, and they would sit on the, the sidelines, and they'd do one of these. Oh, they were there in body, but not in spirit. Have you ever been in a gathering where you were like this? Maybe you're here tonight like this. I don't know. 
where, where I'm technically here, I, I'm physically present, but I'm here just to, to keep tabs on what's going on. That's what the religious leaders were doing with John the Baptist. What if John was so preoccupied with the opposition that he was focusing in, okay, disciples, okay, guys, here's what they're saying about us, and we're going to follow Jesus, and so here's our strategy and game plan to go against the opposition. And he could have totally missed what Jesus was doing, could totally miss that Jesus was passing by. But he was, he was looking for Jesus, and when Jesus passed by, he saw Jesus. Just a glimpse of Jesus on the move was important enough for John to call attention to him. It was important enough for him to say something. Look at verse 36, the second half. When Jesus, excuse me, when he, John, saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. You see, John put words to what he saw. Look, the Lamb of God. I think this is important for us. John didn't just look for Jesus. He didn't just keep his attention tuned to his movements. John put words to what he saw. He spoke out loud so others could hear what he was saying. And he said, look, the Lamb of God. Now check out the punctuation there in your text. There, there is a, a passion. There's an exclamation point. It's not, hey, look, there's Jesus. Big deal. And in fact, it's a big deal for him. He says, look. And he didn't just say, look, there's Jesus. He said, look, it's the Lamb of God. He looked for Jesus. He saw Jesus. And he, with his mouth, spoke who he was. You just did that. Who is Jesus? Not just what he has done, but who is he? He is the Savior of my soul. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the Lamb of God. John was declaring with his mouth who he saw and who that person was. He called out his presence, but he also called out the nature of who he was and who he is. Look at verse 37 with me. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Because of John's words about Jesus' presence, two men who were following John ended up following Jesus. I love it when I read this this last week. It just leapt off the page to me. Because of John's spoken words about Jesus' presence, two men who were following John ended up following Jesus. The byproduct of what John was saying was that people ended up following him. What if John missed it? What if John just saw Jesus but didn't draw attention to it. Would it be possible that maybe these guys would not have followed Jesus? I don't know. But something happened when he said, look, there is the Lamb of God. And it, it, it bore, bore witness with their heart, their spirit, and they too followed Jesus. The text goes on in verses that are following. Not only did these men follow Jesus, they sought after Jesus. It looks to me like this exclamation point of, of John saying, Look, behold the Lamb of God. This passion was transferred from John's heart to their heart and what he said. And they too passionately began to follow Jesus. Now, now check this next part out. John not only pointed out Jesus, he was quick to point them toward Jesus. See, John, he doesn't try to hold on to his disciples. He points them towards Jesus. He doesn't say, now, now guys, I want you to know Jesus is here, but I'm the one who has been sent to prepare the way. And so I'm going to be following after Jesus, but 
I, I don't really want you, you know, to leave my camp just to go to Jesus' camp. John could have been territorial. He could have been insecure. He could have said, Jesus is the, the Lamb of God, but I am the one you were following. I'm your teacher. I'm the one who pointed him out. He didn't do that. He, he says later in John 3.30, this is my life verse, he must become greater, I must become less. We need more of Jesus and less of me. John says, look, behold the Lamb of God. Don't look at me. Look at him. And people took him up on it, and they, they sidestepped John, and they went right to Jesus. And John's attitude we see not only in these two verses, but all throughout what we know of John. He said, that's what I'm here for. That's my calling. My entire DNA is to point out the way of Jesus. Well, okay. You seem excited about it, Brady, but what does that mean for me today? I want us to take the remainder of our time to look at how we could live out John 1, 35-37. I ask you tonight this question. Who are the people in your life right now that are following you? Who are the people in your life right now that are following you? Whether you realize it or not, somebody is following you. In different seasons of our life, you may feel like there's more people or less people who are following you in comparison to another season in your life. Uh, But the fact of the matter, every person in this room, somebody is watching you. Somebody is following you. Maybe for you in this season of your life, it's your family. Maybe it's your parents watching you. They're observing what you are doing with Jesus. Maybe it's your kids who are watching you. And they are learning not only from what you have taught them, but what you are living out right now. Maybe it's your other extended family. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your friendship circle who's around you. They're watching you. To some degree, they are following you. Maybe it's your coworkers, maybe it's your employees or your employer that are watching you, the people that you do business with. There are people around you that are watching you. Now, in our context today, you may not, most likely don't have a group of people who say, I am Brad Bowman's disciples, and I just follow Brad all day long, and I just can't wait for him to spit out a word of wisdom, though Brad's got some good wisdom. Our culture doesn't live that way that much, but we have people who are watching us, In the day of social media, there's never been a time in our lifetime where you could say so easily whatever was on your mind and so many people could see it. That's a dangerous thing. And it can be a very powerful thing. Who is watching you? Who is following you? And what are you doing with that influence that you carry? Sometimes Satan gets on our shoulder and says, nobody's watching you. You have no influence. You don't make a difference. That's silliness. The person that you meet for the very first time who is functionally a stranger, when you respond with the grace of Jesus Christ, they stop dead in their tracks and they listen to what you say. Have you come across somebody who has failed in the task that they were supposed to do around you? Maybe as small as a waiter or waitress who obviously is not on their game and they blew it big time. Maybe someone that you're doing business with and They did not hold up their end of the deal. Maybe it's a neighbor who consistently does not pull their weight in the neighborhood, and they have not been a good neighbor to you. Have you ever given grace to the person and say something like, you know what, I have gotten what I don't deserve from Jesus. 
and I just want to bless you. Now, now, don't do it when they think they've done a good job and insult them with it, but when they know that they have blown it, that they have not done it right, can we offer grace? You respond that way to somebody, even someone that you have just met, and they say, who are you? What? This is strange. You're offering grace to me at a time like this? Most people yell at me. Most people come out at me. What's happening? Who is following you? Let's ask ourselves the next question. Are you, am I, looking for Jesus? And would you and I notice if he passed by tonight? Would you and I notice when he passes by tomorrow morning? That's why those questions are so important to me. What have you seen Jesus do this week? Because John, the Baptist, was constantly looking for where Jesus was. And when he saw him, he called him out. Friend, Jesus is moving and working among us all the time. And there's something powerful when we begin to praise him for who he is and praise him for what he is doing and then in turn join him in what he is doing. Just like our brother Ken is joining in on what Jesus is doing in Carolyn's life. Something powerful can happen right there. But how many times do we not expect Jesus to show up? Are we so focused on our job, so focused on our family, God help us, so focused on our ministry that we don't expect to see Jesus there? What have you seen Jesus do this last week? Can you point out the fingerprints that you see that he's leaving on situations? What if you fully gave yourself daily to expect to see him? Now when you see him, this next question is important. Do you, do I, speak out loud what we have seen of Jesus? What is it that you see of Jesus? Have you spoken about it? Do you put words to what you have witnessed? Now think about this. If you truly saw what Jesus did. Now I'm not asking you to make things up and and to try to blame things on the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit didn't do. That's a dangerous thing and that's for a whole other sermon. We we need to be careful with that. That's, That's not what I'm asking you to do. But when you see what is the work of Jesus... And if it's truly Jesus working, don't you think we should tell somebody about it? Or is it just ho-hum, who cares? If Jesus is the encourager of our soul, the sustainer of our heart in time of grief, don't you think it's worthy to tell somebody this is what Jesus is doing? There is power when we put voice to what it is he is doing. And not only does something to us, it does God does something through us to the people around us. I think the next question, if my memory serves me right, is, is could it be that Jesus wants to draw people to himself through your spoken words of praise about him? What if there's somebody in earshot of you hearing you talk about what Jesus is doing that they too would in turn want to follow Jesus? They would want to get close to Jesus. Five years ago, This November, the Lord heaped conviction on my heart as one of my brothers was speaking, not preaching, but just speaking in conversation. And his speech pattern was so full of scripture, it just, I became hungry to go read and say, no, 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 what did that verse say? I don't remember that. And and I just felt the Holy Spirit whisper to me, Brady, who is it in your circle of influence that just by the way you talk, they're hungry for my word? Well, I preached Sunday about Jesus. That's not what I'm asking about when you preach or when you teach a lesson or or when you give that testimony in church. But just in the way that you talk, does Jesus invade your conversation in any way? 
It didn't have to rhyme and be in bullet points and have all this organized thought, but is there any vocalization that you give to what Jesus is doing in a way that would make people hungry to know more about Him? And finally, a way that we can allow our life to be applied to the Scripture tonight. Are you quick to point people to Jesus, or do you just try to draw them to yourself? How good are you, how good am I at pointing people to Jesus and downplaying ourselves? The number one reason that people cite that they don't share their faith, they don't witness, is fear. And the number one category in fear that people share is either, I guess is the number one, two, is either what will people think of them, or basically, what if they blow it? They don't know what to say or they say it wrong. And both of these are a lie from Satan getting us to focus on ourselves when we should be pointing to Jesus. Who cares what they think of me? I want them to think about Jesus. You know what? John the Baptist was weird. Wear all these furs. Not like, you know, a gorgeous fur. He was wearing all kinds of weird animal hair. and He, he was a weird guy. Ate locusts. Ate weird things. Lived out by himself. His message was not, hey, come join me in my cool club. He was saying, look, behold the Lamb of God. He's right there. When you're fixated on pointing people to Jesus, it's of little consequence of, of if you draw a crowd, Jesus is responsible for drawing the crowd to himself. There has to be a change in my heart if I want to send people to Jesus and not on me. The fear about what if I get it wrong, what if I don't get it right, I just point to Jesus. One of my favorite things, if someone asks me a question about the Bible or about something about Jesus I don't know, here's my favorite response. I don't know. Let's study it together. Because I don't want to make a disciple of me and you're so impressed with me. And boy, don't you wish you could be like me. Let's point to Jesus. Let's study Jesus together. Could we have a gospel partnership and say, look, you've just heard from the Lord through his word. I want to learn with you and from you as you follow Jesus as well. Well, I'm excited and our time is coming to an end, so we'll land the plane together. Here's the takeaway. John had already done this the day before. What was the verse say? 35. The next day. John was there again. We go back up, verse 29. <laughs> it says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look. And we go back uh, to verse 15. John testifies concerning him. Cries out, this is the one in verse 15. This is the one. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me. This has been his pattern for days. He's been talking about Jesus for days. I think there's some of us in this room that what I'm sharing is not brand new to you. You could say, well, preach on, Pastor. That's, that's what I do. Maybe it's not a new concept that Jesus wants to give us. Maybe he wants to say, will you be there again tomorrow? Will you speak about me again tomorrow? There's another opportunity to point people to me tomorrow. As Pastor Edgar talked about seasons here on this earth and seasons in life, there is a, a, a season that Jesus takes us through. And in season and out of season, over and over, you and I are to give a reason for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. That's not just about a pastor always having a three-point sermon in his pocket, though we should have that. 
every Christ follower at any given moment should say, this is what Jesus has been teaching me this week. Hey, I feel dry. And I feel like he hasn't said anything. Fill my cup, Lord. Then talk about who he is. If you can't see what he's doing, focus in on who he is. And it's amazing how clear your eyes will become to see what he's doing when you focus on who he is. Well, that's enough to chew on. Maybe enough to choke on. We'll see. Jesus, I thank you. that you have served up for us a great feast at your feet tonight. Jesus, I thank you for the reminder a couple weeks ago that you are the beginning of all things good. You are life and light. You came to this world and you were not only misunderstood, you were rejected. Jesus, you can identify with us when we feel rejected. Lord, would you help us to be like John? Would you help us to be the forerunner who goes and prepares a way for you? Lord, would you give us a picture in our mind's eye tonight of what it could look like if daily we would be on a hunt looking for what it is you're doing? Not trying to invent things, not trying to make things up or trying to, you know, do something silly. We're honestly looking for what you are doing, Jesus. So, Lord, I just ask as a a wave would come over the shore, would you crash over us tonight and speaking to us through your word this week, through a still small voice of yours this week, through your word and confirmation of your word, through a brother or sister who trusts and loves you this week, and Jesus We want to commit to you right now that we don't want to just see you and hear from you, but we want to put voice to what it is you have said through where we see you. Not only your presence, that you're here, that you helped us, that you provided for us, but your nature of who you are. And Jesus, if there would be people in our circle of influence that you may want to draw to yourself through this, We say, help us get out of the way. We want to draw them to you, not to ourselves. We want to point them to you. We don't want to reserve any glory or billing for ourselves, any position, any power for ourselves. We say, right now, Jesus, we point them to you. Thank you, Jesus, for feeding our hearts tonight. In your name, I ask these things. Amen.